Sports Podcast. Thank you for joining me. At, and as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Lock It Up Media. That's Lock It Up Media on Twitter. Where we get your podcast, we're there. So you can check us out there as well. Got a lot to get into. Um, we got Jalen, the Jalen Hurts contract. Boy, oh boy, was that a big one. An MLB, MLB team on the move. A new plan for ticket sales. I'll get into that. An NFL player safety concern. And Netflix not being ready for this. But first, let me tell you about my friends at Stream Studio. It's a multi-camera live streaming platform that allows you to go live in less than one minute. It's a video podcasting live webinar streaming platform that allows you to stream to multiple platforms at the same time. Now, Jalen Hurts this week signed a five-year, $255 million contract extension he had a hundred. He's got one hundred seventy nine point three zero four million guaranteed. This currently, as of now, of course that will change. But going into this year, he'll be the highest paid um, quarterback in uh, AV, a, annual value. Um, Rogers, Murray, Watson, Mahomes. And Josh Allen all round out the top six. When it comes to talent and skills, I mean, I'd rather have Watson, Mahomes, or Allen over Hertz. I mean, Hertz's last two years, we'll get into some of the numbers a little bit later. Very impressive. Look good, but just as a quarterback, their play, I would prefer to have those three, and they should be higher paid than Jalen Hurts, but it's the next man up kind of thing when it comes to who's due, who's due the contract. It was Jalen Hurts' time. They paid him a little bit early. They didn't have to pay him now, but they went ahead and did that. They rewarded him, and that's, that's what a, a well-run franchise does. You take care of your top players, your quarterback, if you trust him and believe in him to be that guy. They saw two years of progress. I mean, just the big jump his rookie year to year two. And then obviously you saw what he did this year. When I say next man up, obviously I'm talking about Burrow and Herbert who are likely to get paid very handsomely as well. Those are the two for sure ones. And then I have this one right here. Maybe Lamar. Ongoing conversation and topic with Lamar Jackson and his contract status with the Ravens. And it's already been, I mean, we don't obviously know the the full financials or anything like that. But it's been reported he turned down a similar type deal and money with, um, with from the Ravens that Jalen Hurts just got around the same type of money. So 
that's something to uh, see what happens with Lamar Jackson. And let's do a little comparison here for Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts, who very comparable type quarterbacks as they both run. Lamar a little bit more than Jalen Hurts, but Hurts another mobile quarterback as well. Now, you can't really look at just passing yards for both of these two quarterbacks. So what I did is I did total yards. So in the air and on the ground, I took, and I what I did also is I took Lamar Jackson's two most dominant years where he played all 15 games to the 2019-2020 season. And then Jalen Hurts, I did his last two years. 2021 and um, uh, 2022. So his last two seasons. Um, Lamar Jackson, 2019, pretty good year for him, I'd say. Uh, 4,333 total yards, 43 total touchdowns, MVP season. Yeah, good. And then 2020, 300, 3,762 total yards. 33 touchdowns. Two good years, right? Yeah. Uh, Jalen Hurts, 2022. 3,928 total yards, 26 total touchdowns. Last year, Jalen Hurts, 4,461 total yards, 35 total touchdowns. Little stat there in, as you see, they each have a better year than each, each other. So, I mean, you look at the two years, Hertz's total numbers was better than 2019 Lamar Jackson. His 2022 year was better than Jalen Hertz was better than Lamar Jackson total. Also in that, I didn't include this, but... I did in the totals. Jalen Hurts has better passing numbers than Lamar Jackson in both those two years. So, one of those years in this 2019 year for Jackson, he had over a thousand on the ground, and and in 2020 he had a thousand yard, he was a thousand yard rusher. Both those two years. So those, of course, add to his numbers, which that's part of his game. I'm not taking that away from him. But Hurts, the safer quarterback in that he's not running around. He's going to take less hits. Yeah, he's been sacked a decent amount because of the struggling offensive line at some point, sometimes in his career, or the mobility and he gets tackled. But... He's taking less hits because he's not getting out in the pocket and running as much. We'll see what happens with Lamar Jackson as, like I said, he's turned down similar type deal. He wants that Deshaun Watson money, that 230 guaranteed. I don't see that happening. That's one of those outliers where the Browns went all in and said, hey, we've got to have a quarterback. We're going to throw all this money at Deshaun Watson. I don't see many other teams doing that ever. 
never say never, but that's very rare for for that to happen. He's the outlier. Now, I did like this as there's an article the Chiefs came out and said after this most recent contract with Jalen Hurts, we're going to look at Patrick Mahomes' contract here down the line in a few years, which is great. I mean, the their GM came out and said, we're going to reevaluate his contract in a few more years to see what happens. Basically, he's referring to uh, Bur- the Burroughs contract extension that he'll probably get, who obviously it's all numbers are kind of speculating and guesstimating. Let's just say around $288 million for Burrow, 40, $48.1 million in average annual value. Mahomes better than Burrows, if you ask me. So that's that's fair. And then also the Herbert, Justin Herbert, they're estimating, you know, throwing numbers around, around 279, average annual value, 46.5 million a year. So those are the kind of the range estimation, guesstimation they're looking for, Burrow and Hertz. And excuse me, Herbert. They know Mahomes is the best quarterback in the planet. And they're going to take care of their already well-paid quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. And that's a good franchise. Take care of your quarterback. He loves it there. He, you take care of him. He takes care of you. That's a well-structured marriage and contract and situation there for Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. That's what you do. That's what a good franchise does. You keep your quarterback happy. Don't have those stale relationships, and you can avoid a Aaron Rodgers potential situation in Green Bay, maybe becoming a New York Jet, who knows, with that situation, right? So, very well done. It's it's always interesting to see what the quarterback situation plays out and, you know, what the next number is because it's always going to be outrageous. Now, this really wasn't surprising or outrageous as it came out this week that the Oakland A's going to be moving to, you guessed it, Las Vegas. Uh, The target start date for them to play is uh, 2027. It's going to be a 35,000-seat stadium with a retractable roof and costs about a billion off the strip. Now, good riddance to Oakland. I mean, rightfully so. Even when their team was good, they had terrible terrible attendance. So 2018, just over 19,000. You asked me, Locke, how did they do in 2018? They were 97-65, lost in the AL wild card. You're a 97-win team, and you can't bring in more than 19,000 fans average per year. That's sad. So 2019, they averaged 20,000. What was their record? Exact same, 97-65, lost in the wild card. 2021, 
Obviously, I skipped 2020. 2021, pretty solid team. Missed the playoffs, 86 and 76. Averaged over 8,000. 2022, bad club. They were 60-102, averaged 9,000. Currently, obviously, season's young, averaged 11,000. When your team's good, you don't show up. When your team's bad, you don't show up. It's a dump of a stadium. You had freaking, what was it, not rats. You had a possum in the visiting visitors' play-by-play booth earlier this week. Stadium's a dump. The city's a dump. The area's not nice. It's completely trash. Tell me one good reason why there should be a team in Oakland. The owner doesn't spend the money. Now he gets rewarded because he gets to move to Oak, uh, to LA, which, I mean, excuse me, to Las Vegas, which is kind of, uh. But look at your city, your attendance, your area. High crime rate, dirty city, all kinds of problems. Every team there is left. The Raiders, where'd they go? Obviously Las Vegas. The Golden State Warriors. They moved across the bay to San Francisco. They're like, yeah, we're done playing in Oakland. They went to San Francisco. Of course, Las Vegas seems like a natural fit for Oakland. A, for the Oakland A's, I mean, you've already got the Raiders there, so you've got that. And I would imagine you're in that fan base there. That I feel bad for the fan base. I do. That's unfortunate. The A's fans that were there, but they were competing and with the attendance and the fanship. It's tough to compete with the Giants. When I was in San Francisco, you could tell it was a big Giants fan base. Fan base there. It's it was actually funny. We um when I when I was out there, we went to a Giants game. This happened to be playing the A's, so we went and then we went to um it was in uh, San Francisco. And you're looking around the ballpark, you don't see that many A's fans there. Especially with their hated rivals and the Giants. Yes, the Giants own that, but own the Bay Area, and then they're sprinkled in Oakland A's fans just across the bridge. But it was tough to compete with the Giants. So Vegas, like I said, seems like a natural fit. Fan base of Oakland should still be. I would imagine. I don't know this be still able to watch the A's based on TV deals and streaming in that market. I would venture to guess just same thing with, with, with the Raiders. If, if people in Oakland want to watch their teams. So let's look at attendance for the first team that was ever sports team that was ever in Las Vegas. That's the Golden Knights. This season, capacity, 104%. That's pretty good, right? Over 100%? Yeah. Last year, the 2021-2022 season, 
it was 100% capacity. Raiders themselves doing, doing ups, more ups and downs, but pretty good capacity numbers for them as well. It's a natural fit. It's to them for me for them to move to LA, um, Las Vegas. The other moving team you suspect is Tampa. And the crazy thing is with them is that's such a good franchise, a winning franchise, how they run their operation to have a zero fan support. The rumor there is Nashville or Charlotte. Salt Lake City's kind of popped up as an option too. I feel like if, it, if Salt Lake City was an option, the A's would have been a better geographical fit. But yeah, of course, Tampa can go cross country and go into Salt Lake. Um, I feel bad for the Tampa fans. It'd be tough to see them. Whereas if they're in Nashville or Charlotte or those are kind of the other two popular um, locations right now, they're kind of popping up. Be easier for the fan base, but good for Oakland to get out of Oakland. I think they'll be successful in Las Vegas. Yes, there'll be another event in, going on there, but it's been proven now that there is a fan base that wants to go watch a baseball team and other sports based on the Knights and the Raiders. So good for them. I'm happy that Oakland finally gets out of that city and into a city that wants them and will show up for them. Now let me tell you what my friends at Stream Studio is a multi-camera live streaming platform that allows you to go live in less than one minute. It's a video podcasting live webinar streaming platform that allows you to stream to multiple platforms at the same time time. I'm going to remind you as well, you can also follow me on Twitter at Lock It Up Media. That's Lock It Up Media on Twitter. Wherever you get your podcast, we're there. So check us out. Check me out. Lock It Down Sports, wherever you get your podcast. Now, I saw this the other day too, and I'm really interested and this to see what it does, how it takes shapes, and how it affects ticket sales. As the Minnesota Twins are partnering with a company called Ticket Rev to sell unbought tickets. So it's going to allow fans to bid on unsold tickets to games. So it's going to be basically... You're going to see the ticket, the location, and you're going to put your bid in. And there's going to be different color scales there on where you have a better chance of getting, you know, that bid of that ticket. Now, of course, it's a bidding system and it's how desperate do the ticket owners want to get rid of their ticket. 
And of course, how close is it to game time as well? So what you do is you select the price. And once you do, it will be taking that the price that you bid on to offers to brokers and secondary markets to see if there is a match. So then it's up to once you put in your bid, the brokers to see, okay, we can eat that much and we can lose that much on a ticket and still gain it. It's worth it getting 15 bucks as opposed to 30. That's fine. So I, I feel like that's going to be a very well done system. And I feel like it'll work very well. It's a good idea. Teams are going to the twins are going to generate some revenue. Some's better than nothing. I know that from the economics side of things. And of course, you know, you sell a ticket for 10 bucks as opposed to 20 or 30. Then the customer feels like they got a deal. And in turn, of course, the twins are hoping now that you're at the ballpark, you're going to buy food or concessions or drinks. So it's a, you might lose on the front end, but hopefully in return, you end up breaking even maybe from the um, twin standpoint of, okay, we got them in the door for less than we would like to, but because they brought, because they bought food and drink, we at least break even on this person. I feel like other teams will jump in on this, especially if it is uh, worthwhile for the Twins, which I can't imagine why it wouldn't be. It'll be productive for them and other teams who have problems selling tickets will jump in on this. I mean, there's clubs, the Braves, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox. Not an issue. They're going to be at capacity or near capacity because they're rolling. They're a really good baseball team right now. Twins, pretty good team, but up and down, struggle from tickets. They're, they could be in the playoff hunt. I might look stupid now saying that, but they're a pretty solid team. So it would be interesting to see, too, later in the season, if they're still in the hunt, how these ticking, uh, how ticket rev does. Fun to watch. I think other teams are going to pick it up when they see the results of what the Twins are doing now. This seems like an easy, easy no-brainer for me when it comes to NFL player safety. Is That's always one of the most important things that they stress. They've changed rules because of it. NFL player safety and data has shown that natural grass is safer to play on than slim fit turf. So two stadiums already will not have that this surface in 2023. Four stadiums though do still have slim fit turf. So a study was done from 2012 until now, every year except 2021, there was less injuries on grass. So, it, to me, 
I feel like it's a pretty simple, easy fix just to force teams to get rid of slim fit turf. Put in natural grass. It's all about the athlete. It's all about player safety. I mean, for the longest time, they've talked about what they can do to prevent concussions. Obviously, a injury risk, CTE, that's obviously a big thing. And, it, you know, it's real, obviously. Talked about ways to get limit those, the head-to-head contact. Talking about limit, eliminating kickoffs. It wouldn't surprise me if that does eventually happen. Not yet. Of course, it hasn't happened yet. But also, NFL rules today want to prevent injury as much as possible and increase the offense. I mean, of course, you got the tuck rule. I mean, you can breathe on a quarterback the wrong way these days and get a 15-yarder. And and the reference of, of course, the late hit or roughing the passer. I mean, you look at them, you breathe on, breathe on them wrong. It's a 15-yard penalty. So they're protecting these guys. Why not fix the field? There's there's numbers that and there's actual numbers they have. You can go to the NFL PA page to look at the actual numbers of how once you play on grass ter, uh, grass field, it's prevented injuries less than slim uh, slim fit turf fields. So. Don't you want the best players on the field to highlight, to continue to showcase your game, why you are the most watched, most dominant TV program in the world, worldwide? Everybody watches the NFL. The numbers show it, prove it time and time again, the most popular sport there is. Also, too, don't you hate to see non-contact injuries, which happens so often, a player just in the pocket and he makes a little run, and then all of a sudden there goes his knee or his ankle, and it's like, oh, man, that is awful. Don't you want whatever you can do to have as little prevention as possible to keep these players healthy, have a continuously longer career. I mean, one injury could be career ending. Yeah, you can get yeah, you can get back from NC uh ACL injuries, meniscus, Achilles, all those, but what well, little chance to prevent that? Why don't you do it? I mean, let's be honest, it's just money. Owners have it. It's just money, not a big deal. Yeah, they want to keep it all. But it's just money just to go throw in a new field. I don't think it's that big a deal in the grand scheme of things, especially if the NFL is demanding it and they're trying to make it a rule and a law. But it, I, I think this is an easy fix. It really is. Just tear up the field, throw in some grass. Yes, it's going to cost, but come on. You're worth billions. Your franchise keeps going up and up and up in worth. 
And as owners, if you don't want to, if you're not going to spend money on the players on your and your team, at least spend it to keep them on the field more. Pretty similar to me. It doesn't seem like it's that tough, but uh, we'll see in the next few years what they do, and if it becomes an NFL rule where look, you got to have grass, natural surface. Hopefully, it happens. One of those obviously wait and sees about what they do. Now, I did not know this. So, you know, the last few years, um, ESPN has been doing in-game interviews with players on whatever inning on a different team for their Sunday night baseball. Well, maybe it's been known by others, but just now being reported, I've just seen this, that Players are being paid $10,000 for an in-game interview on the broadcast. And on on the very end, at least on this, I'm happy. I'm kind of disappointed they they are getting paid to come on and talk about their favorite food or... Um, something dumb like that. Sometimes some of the um, in guests are enlightening, and you walk you, they walk you through some stuff. Others are kind of oh that was a crappy interview, so it's kind of hit or miss depending on the player and what they actually say and what they actually tell you. But it's coming from Major League Baseball and Major League Baseball PA, so it's coming from the internal. Internal of um, of Major League Baseball, not the money's not coming from ESPN or any of the other TV networks. Which, at least on that end, makes me feel better that it's the internal Major League Baseball that's paying them to hey. We want to continue to grow the game, make it more entertaining, because we, as Major League Baseball, know what our numbers show of declining and not doing as well and things like that that um aspect of we need a better product to continue to get young fans to watch and be more engaged in our product um now if they stop paying them ten thousand, would players still do it i think some would some wouldn't I, that's just, I think a lot of that comes to players' personality, who they are, what they're about. I think at this point they know the direction of the conversation. And even if they're, they're getting paid, they're not going to reveal a whole lot of other than, okay, Ozzy Obbies, what are you thinking here? Play comes up the middle. How are you receiving that, that um, double play? Or, the ball in the hole, where are you going? Like that stuff that, that that's easy stuff for Manny Machado. I didn't think that one was very good when they had a Machado interview on based on and some of it's timing at works where they're able to talk with the players and ask the players about things and have the longer longer conversation. Other times they don't. It just kind of depends on obviously the flow. And what's uh, what's going on in the game? The score, the moment, where you know where it is in the game. Of course, there's going to be lulls. 
sometimes because they're getting ready to make a defensive play. Or here comes the pitch, they're getting ready for the for the play. I mean, I guess that I for the most part I enjoy it. Some are better than others. And I think some players would still continue to do it and not get paid. Others, I don't think other others would. Some would, some wouldn't. It's just a thing about the player to kind of determine who they are and you know what they're about. So I think they're still going to continue to get paid because it's most of the time once something like that starts, you pay. You don't take that away. So they'll continue to get paid, which, eh. But that's where we're at. That's probably the initial, that was the initial start of, okay, sure. I'll talk in the middle of the fourth inning, uh, the bottom of the fourth inning, about what's going on in this game and what I'm what I'm trying to do, what I'm about to do. So they'll still continue to do them. I'll still enjoy them some more than others. So you can follow me on Twitter at Lock It Up Media. That's Lock It Up Media on Twitter. Wherever you get your podcast, we're there. Find me, Lock It Down Sports. It's Lock It Down Sports wherever you get your podcast. Talk to you next.